Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Let's get into Word today. I got an assignment from the Lord in hopes of encouraging you, helping you, helping the destiny of this church, um, and really speaking to some things um, that I must address through the Word and correct and strengthen in Pastor Robin already in the anointing vein. Um, handling certain things by the, by the Spirit. And I want to teach this lesson today titled The Problem with the Church. Many times when I handle anything such as this, I take a very sensitive approach to it because there are people who hear things like this and they are only salacious when they hear the topic. They're looking for something that is full of slander that's looking for something that's full of gossip. They're looking for something that's not aligned with the proper with the word of God. And they're just looking for something that's juicy. You know, juicy topics. All right. And so, and if we're not careful, um, we, don't, we don't address things properly with the church. But God has spoken to my heart to teach this lesson, the problem with the church. First thing I want you to know that the church is the ambassador of the kingdom of God. The church, the church, I've been teaching, especially during the pandemic, that the church is threefold. Everybody say threefold. The church is universal. That means there's a church without walls. It is everybody who has been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and has accepted him as Lord and Savior. It's a church without walls, all right? A church without walls and without a specific location. It's all over the world. Everybody who's in the body of Christ is the church. So there's a church universal. Then there's a church local that is a place with an address where people who are the church gather together. And wherever those people gather together, they are a church. That's a church local. Then there is a church mobile. The church mobile is you and I. Tell somebody you are a church. Tell your neighbor, say, Pastor, your church. Tell them, handle your members. Deal what's going on in your church. Yeah, that's the church mobile. Everywhere you go, you represent God. You are the church mobile. So I want you to know that it is the kingdom of God which is perfect, but it is the church of God that is being developed. The kingdom is perfect, but the church is being developed. So God uses his kingdom principles, the word of God, to teach the church how to be his bride. This is important to us. So it lets us know that the church will have problems. But the problem is not people with problems or challenges. That's not the problem. It's not the problem in the church that people have problems. That's not the problem. That's not the problem that people have challenges. That is not the problem with the church. Jesus helps us understand that's not the problem because he himself says, I, Jesus says, for this purpose I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
So it can't be the problem because Jesus declares that his purpose is for problems. I've come for the ones who is lost. I come for the ones who are sick. He says those who are well doesn't need a physician. So I come for broke up people, broke up situations. I come for that purpose. So the problem is not that people have problems or challenges. The Bible even tells us that many are the afflictions, challenges, problems, circumstances of the righteous. So even living right doesn't exempt you from problems. Well, I'm going to say it again. Living, living right doesn't exempt you from problems. You can't look at my life and because I'm going through trouble, just decide because I'm going through trouble that I've sinned. Because living right don't exempt me from problems. Even the apostle prayed to God three times that God will remove the thorn from his flesh. And God responded basically, stop praying because the thing you prayed about will not be removed. You can't pray this away. I've ordained for you to go through it with my grace. So it, it, so living right even in itself don't exempt you from having challenges and problems. Well, God says he will deliver the righteous from them all. That's the, that's the difference maker of afflictions and challenges. And I like to say this, everybody going to have some problems. Everybody going to have some trials. But for the righteous, tell somebody, I expect deliverance. Because uh, God said he would deliver them out of them all. Tell somebody, I expect deliverance, though, out of them all. I believe the central problem with the church, if I can use it as a central problem, it really is a love issue. A love issue. Hold on a minute as I explain this. It's really how to properly exercise the love of God. How to carry out the love of God. We are challenged as believers on how to carry out a holy thing. We are challenged on how to do it. We are challenged with this thing called love. The Bible even tells us it's a challenge because it tells us by this shall everyone know that we are his disciples. By what? That we love, that we have love one to another. So he never says they're going to know you my disciples because you're gifted. Because you can preach. Because you can prophesy. Because you're skillful, because you're a great orator or a great preacher. He says the bottom line of my signet promise or my sign that you are truly my disciples is based on your ability to carry out love. Oh, it puts us to the test and it challenges the best of us. Can we exercise God's love? The Bible says that even when we love, we don't love empty handed. This thing called love, the way God balances love, he tells us in Ephesians that we must speak the truth in love. So here's another challenge about love so that love won't be wild, so that love won't have, will be without structure, so that love will not be without barricades and go off the cliff because if you're not careful, people will say, I love this and I love that, but it doesn't have any framework. He gives us framework for love that we must speak the truth in, in love. 
thereby we are challenged to speak the truth in love because truth without love is just judgmental speaking truth without love you're just being judgmental we are challenged to, to lace all that we do when we speak truth and speak the word of God that it comes from the place of the love of God. So when we speak the truth, we speak truth in love. Without the love, our truth is just judgmental. And there's a difference between being judgmental and judging. Judging is the call that we have as people of God. We got enough people who are Christians who can't judge nothing. Now they judge it every day. They go to the grocery store and you judge everything. It's the difference why you buy this fruit and this don't buy this because you judged it and determined that that fruit is spoiling and that is not good. You judged everything else. But when we come into church, we don't judge nothing. It's the difference between judging and being judgmental. But truth without love makes you judgmental. Yeah, you're speaking the truth, but you can't help nobody like that. Truth in love. But also, you got to remember that love without truth. Because we got a whole world, and the church is becoming a, a, a gathering together of people who only believe in love, but they don't believe in truth. So now we got a world that we know the world don't believe in truth, but now we got a church who don't want to stand for the truth, and all they want to do is love. Because truth without love, or, or, or let me say, no, I already said that, that's judgmental. But love without truth is passive. Love without truth is full of compromise. So God has challenged us on how to carry out the exercise his love. So the problem, I believe, with the church is the central issue. It's about how to love. In these different circumstances go to Luke 22 I'm gonna show you some things you're gonna have to hold on we're gonna teach a little bit today Luke 22 verse 20 through 34 Luke 22 20 through 34 verse 20 says 22 20 to 34 it says likewise also the cup after the supper saying likewise the cup he's passing on the bread now he passed on the cup I'm dealing with the last supper here I got to get to this story this is the cup of the New Testament. He says to the disciples, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on the table. I know churches got so sensitive. They always talking about their haters. Jesus is sitting here dealing with somebody he discerns that's going to hate him. He already knows he's going to go through this. Church can't go through nothing. People can't go through nothing. And truly the son of man goeth as it was determined, but woe unto the man by whom um, he is betrayed. So there is a cost, but woe unto him who betrays Christ. 23, and they began to inquire among themselves, the disciples, which of them that should do this thing? And there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Now listen to this. Jesus at the table, having the last supper, and he says, one of y'all going to betray me. Then they start having a conversation about who it's going to be. Which means there's a humanity and a vulnerability among all of them, that all of them are looking at themselves, or, or some of them are looking at the other person and says, it's most likely you, can't be me, maybe it's me, I'm not sure it's me, it can't be me, I wouldn't do that, I got some issues, some problems, but I wouldn't betray you. 
All of them are tested of their ability to follow Christ at that moment. And But in the midst of all that conversation about who's going to betray God and who's going to betray Christ, there comes a strife among them. Now, this is the weirdest of situations. We're talking about betraying Christ. We're talking about which one of you going to betray him. And in the midst of this conversation, they segue into a strife issue about who's going to be a greatest among them. How in the world you go from being tested to being loyal to now you move to a place on which one of y'all better than the other and going to be the greatest. Hold on to that. We're going to deal with it. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they are exercising authority upon them. Um, them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. That's not how you're going to operate. But he that is greatest among you let them be as the younger. So the greatest be as the younger and he that is chief as he that does serve. So the way we know that your greatness has to do with how you serve. He says, so you fussing about it, which one of you the greatest? I'm going to judge your greatness by how you serve. For whether it is greater he that sitteth at me or he that sitteth is not, uh, whether, where, for whether is greater he that sitteth at me or he that sitteth is, it, thank you, or serveth is not he that sitteth at me. But I am among you as he that serveth. They're fussing about who's at the table and based on who's serving. I want to tell you it's about who is serving. Ye are they which have continued with me in temptations. I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father has appointed unto me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on throne, thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel all right so I've invited you to a place right I'm gonna give you the right attitude about where I invited you to all right you've been walking with me to temptations but I want you to understand what true servanthood is in the midst of this conversation here's verse 31 and in the midst of this the Lord said Simon Simon behold Satan desire to have you that he may sift you as wheat but I pray for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren now in the midst of this he goes to a situation and says uh, Simon I want to give you an update concerning your life imagine sitting at the table in the midst of this who's gonna be loyal and they get in conversation who's gonna be the greatest and Peter gets an update from Jesus that says, Simon, I want you to know you under attack. Simon, I want you to know that the enemy is tempting you and trying you and trying to break you down and trying to take you out of here and trying to get you to backslide and trying to get you to give up on God. He says, he says Simon, I need to raise your alert system That's, that there's a test coming your way that if you don't get yourself together, I got to warn you of what's to come. I got to warn you what's about to happen. Satan desires to have you. That he may sift you, will shake you as wheat. But Jesus says, but I have prayed for thee. That thy faith fail not, and when thou converted from their brother. Here it is. There are times in the body of Christ, in the church, that people go through tests, trials, and transition. Yes, sir. And what Jesus says here to Peter is, listen to this. I'm not afraid of what you're about to go through. Now, it's going to test your faith. But my role in this situation is to pray for you. 
Many times in the church when people start going through tests, trials, and transition, what we find is people who have prayerlessness. And because they don't know how to pray when people come through, rather than pray, they gossip. Whether they pray, they talk. Whether they pray, they get in wrong companies and have wrong conversations. Why? Because they are not sensitive on how to pray for somebody while they're going through test trial and temptation so they may still have their purpose. Jesus tells Peter, my role here, number one, I alerted you through prophecy, hallelujah, that you're going to go through something, but I also want you to know I'm praying for you. When the last time you told somebody going through a test, a trial, or a transition that I'm praying for you? When the last time you let them know that you got a destiny, that's the other thing that Jesus tells Peter while he's about to go through this thing. He says, I want you to know you got a destiny. Know how he tells me he has a destiny? Because the devil wants him. When is the last time we looked at some and told them you're so great the devil wants you you're so powerful the devil wants to sift your gift you're so anointed and got a calling on your life that the devil wants to wrap you up in foolishness he tells Peter that he's so powerful that the devil wants to have you he says but I pray for you for this season he says I'm praying for you in this season he says being prayerful in this season is going to be a part of the remedy for you holding on to your faith Peter's job is to hold on to his faith that's Peter's job but our job or Christ's job is through intercession was to pray for Peter was to pray for Peter while he's going through this transition. I'm telling you, this happened, what's happening to Peter happens so often in the church. And I'm telling you, when it happens, we don't know how to pray. We talk too much. We talk about stuff we don't have authority over. We talk about stuff that we hadn't heard in prayer. We talk too much and don't pray enough. Jesus says here, this ain't a, he, and he says it in a way that he knows that Peter's gonna come through he says after thou art converted it means that you're going to go through this thing oh y'all don't want to hear it like this you're going to go through this thing now what did peter go through peter went through betrayal he betrayed him in the next few verses we see that peter actually betrayed jesus christ so sometimes we trip out over something that somebody's going to come out of. We trip out over something that somebody's going to do a full circle and a turnaround. And the reason we trip out so much about it is because we don't pray enough for somebody. Because you've got to pray. God will let you know pray for them, but my hand is still on them. Pray for them, but my word is still on them. But when you ain't been in prayer, you don't know what God's going to do when he brings he tells Peter you got a destiny because you're going to be converted and after you are converted strengthen your brother that's what he in the midst of telling Peter he's being tested he also prophesies that the test going to come to an end that the trial going to come to an end and you're going to overcome what's trying to overcome you Tell somebody that's good news right there. He tells Peter that. And in the next few verses, Peter denies him three times. I ain't going to read it. But next few verses, Peter denied him three times. Peter, Peter was full of zealous. He was zealous. Peter was like, Jesus, what you talking about? I'm ready to go with you. I'll read it so you can 
So you can see what Peter said, and you can see how some of y'all feel about yourself and other people. 33, he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both in the prison and the death. Peter said, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. Peter said, Jesus said, in a few days, you're about to go through something. You're going to need the prayer of the saints. But Peter can't see what he's about to go through. Peter can't believe he's about to go through what he's about to go through. Peter don't believe he's going to face it. And he tells Jesus, I'm ready to go with you. Jesus says, look, Peter, I know you mean well. I like that heart. This is what it's in verse 34. I am going to read it. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock, the rooster shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice, three times deny that thou knowest me. So he said, let me get you tell you what. He said, you're going you to deny me three times. So one of the things that prayer begins to teach me about people when they're going through transition is don't trip out too much over something that God already settled. But if you ain't prayed, you don't know what God settled. See, if you ain't prayed, you don't trip out over something God's already settled. But when you ain't in prayer, you get caught up with the rumors of the world. You caught up with the situations of what people... Imagine Peter going through this, and I like this story. I like, know I like this story because it's the preface of Acts. In Acts, Peter shows up again and he preaches the gospel on the day of Pentecost and say, man, these men are not drunk as he supposed. But this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days. Peter is there. How does Peter make it through the temptation, make it through the trial, make it through the circumstance? Let me tell you how to make it through transition. Stay in the church. Stay around the people of God. Stay in the company in the presence of God. See, our problem is we get tested, go through trials, and we stay home. The devil gonna beat you up. You got to learn how to stay in the inheritance of the saints. And the inheritance of the saints is in the assembly of the righteous. So Peter stays in the presence of God with the people of God while he's being tempted while he's going through transition while he's going through all these tests and he is the one that stands up on the day of Pentecost and tells everybody this is prophecy being fulfilled <laughs> don't y'all these men are not drunk as Jesus opposed being the third hour of the day this is prophecy Peter is able to do that because he stays in the company of the saints so don't get caught up in the foolishness and let somebody make you run away from the church when you need the church the most. You're going through all you're going through and then you listen to some negative Nancy or some pessimistic Paul that keep telling you about the church this, the church that, the church that. The church is actually supposed to be the place of combat. If any people know what it's like to come back and have a bounce back and be resilient over what you've been through, it's supposed to be the household of faith. Why else can I come when I feel downtrodden and I need to be reminded of who I am? Why else can I go when I feel distraught about my situation? Why else can I go? I can't run to the world. I dare not go back into the club. I dare not run back to my old friends. We gotta have a place where people we can't come to. Y'all ain't saying nothing about the work in the Holy Ghost. We gotta have a place where people can find God again. If 
they lost him last week can they come back and find him tell somebody we gotta have a place and that place gotta have prayer hey shut up tell somebody i need you to pray for me tell him the devil trying to take me out i got a destiny and a prophecy i need you to pray for me hey say don't look at me funny i go through circumstances i got weak but i need you to pray pray for me Pray for me. No telling what God can do in a church that loves to pray. No telling who God can turn around. And Peter's, Peter's are not going to stay in a church that don't pray I said Peter's are not going to stay in a church that don't pray you know why because when you're going through you're already sensitive you're so sensitive you don't know who your friends are you don't know who talking about you who with you oh you ain't never been through nothing when you get go through something real good you so sensitive you sensitive to everything you don't know who your friends are. You don't know what to do. Your emotions are all over the place. But if you ever come back to a place and hear prayer going forth, you hear God saying, God, don't give up on them. You hear somebody pray and say, God, bring a thrill. God, God, let her feel the love. If you come back in a place. somebody we got to have that place we got to have that place where Peters can have comebacks we got to have that place hey shut shall my soul hold tight God help me tell somebody I'm warring over that place uh, I'm warring over that type of place where the Peters can have comebacks and people can be reminded of who they are after the devil done drugged them through the mud and treated them like trash the worst thing to do is get treated by the devil like trash and then come to the household of faith and get treated like trash again we gotta have a place I say nothing in here. We gotta have, but it don't happen unless we learn to pray for folks. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And you can't properly pray for nobody you don't love. See, that's why prayer is part of it. But if the love not right, you won't pray. So your lack of love, your lack of prayer tests your love. See, because if you really will pray, you will also pray. The thing about intercession and prayer, you'll start praying like it was you. See, but don't get into a place that you're the only one hungry for change and somebody else that's going through something out hungry for change. But if you ever been through something where you couldn't reach your hunger and you couldn't reach your desire and the thing you would do, you could not do. And the thing you didn't want to do, that you do. If you ever been in a war where you couldn't reach your desire, if you ever been in a fight for destiny, that you couldn't do what you know God called you to do. And God brought you out of that thing. 
you are the person who can really pray for somebody going through because you know what it feels like not to be at your best you know what it feels like to be short in the glory you know what it feels like to be stuck in something you need to get out of I need some folks who know what it feels like you need to tell a brother, I've been there. I've been there when I wasn't acting myself. I've been there I wasn't doing right. And because I've been there, I'm going to pray for you. Because I've been there, I'm going to intercede for you. Tell somebody we need that type of church. Clap your hands and praise him. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.